0: for the last time that's what this podcast is all about when you hear that you might think this lady is crazy losing weight is hard and gaining it back is so easy how is it possible to lose weight for the last time well join me on this podcast and find out you see the other weight loss approaches out there are capitalizing and thriving on your fear your shame your guilt your feeling like you are not enough and you have to change I like to think of that as the 1980s approach. It's old, it's outdated, and it doesn't work. You do not need yet another diet. Rather, I'm going to invite you on this podcast to join me in a totally new paradigm. It's all about context. In what context do you want to improve your health? The old context was about fear and shame, and those are what I call motivation killers. Of course, you keep gaining the weight back. You are operating out of the wrong context and you are trying to solve the wrong problems. Extra body fat is not the problem. It's a symptom. So we have to get to the root of the problem. And we do that through love. The new context is about love. I'm hoping this podcast will be a source of comfort, solace, and food for thought for you. You don't have to do our weight loss programs, although you can. And you don't have to do our free love challenge, although you can. But for now, what I'm going to invite you to do is just listen. Just give yourself the gift of taking some time to listen. Enter a new paradigm based in love, compassion, forgiveness, curiosity, pleasure, and lasting success. Lose weight for the last time. Hi, Deb. It's great to have you on the show today. Thank you so much. So the first thing I'd like to start with is just, I'm wondering what
1: you feel is the most important lesson that you've learned on your health journey. One of the key things that I learned very young is we tend to compartmentalize. And so therefore, we have a thinking life, a a love life, a faith life, and all these lives. Well, really and truly, our body moves into the whole part of our lives, right? So everything is interconnected. And as you know, me, Jill, and the work that I do, everything is about mind, body, spirit. Mm -hmm. So in that interconnectedness, I didn't treat my body very well when I was a teenager. I didn't eat. So I'm one of those people who had the story of when you're grieving or you're feeling unpowerful or extra stresses, whatever any of that is all about, I tend to shut down and don't take care of my body. That's the place I live, and i I neglect it. Mm. So I learned very quickly in a significant story, when I couldn't hardly move the lawnmower when I was mowing the lawn one time when I was seventeen, there was this place of me making peace with my body, that mm. I had to fuel it. I have to eat. I'm athletic. I was young. I was vibrant. There's a lot going on. I'm very spiritual, as you know, about who I am and my background as a minister and a counselor. And I had to get real, real about my body. Anytime life got too much, the first thing I hurt was my body by not eating. Mm -hmm. So that became quite the awakening for me in those late teen years to get real, real about mind, body, spirit. And that really began the journey for me.
0: Was there something, was there like a a moment? I know you're saying when you were mowing the lawn, you realized that you were just maybe almost too weak to, to mow the lawn. I couldn't hardly push
1: the mower. And at 17 and there's nothing really medically wrong with me, then I was doing something emotionally, spiritually, and mentally damaging to my own body. I was self-harming myself by not eating correctly.
0: Yeah. Were you conscious? I mean, you, were, you said, ex- explained how, you know, life gets hard, so you would just start to take that out on your own body, was was that a conscious thing or was it kind of more unconscious until you realized like how weak it was making you?
1: You know, I think it was more unconscious at first because I do think there's a genetic component to those of us who come from these eating disorder type backgrounds. There's a personality piece that's driven in it. And yeah. as I've gotten older and I've looked back, I've realized my mother didn't eat very well when she was grieving either. You know, I've watched other relatives not do well by their body as well. So there is something almost genetic, I think, to a lot of the eating disorder conversations when we're honest about that. For me, I just prayerfully, as you know, being a prayer warrior person, as I am in my my background, I distinctly remember... You know, God telling me my my language would be the Holy Spirit. That would be my language, right? So mm-hmm. my language was, uh, you need to get real and get some protein and some water into your body. You You do not have any business treating the very vessel I ask you to walk into this world with this way. So I felt chastised, but it was a positive chastisement that was making me understand mm-hmm. I need to love my body. I need mm-hmm. to respect my body. I need to take care of my body. So that's where I really started working towards mind, body, spirit, having a true, honest integration that as we move into the world, then I just need to feel good in my own body. I need to be glad of the one I've got. And no matter what's going on around me, stresses, grieving, any issues, I still have to figure out sleeping well, hydrating, eating enough protein, doing right. So my husband and I will be married 42 years at the end of this month.
0: Wow. And that being said,
1: the end of August. And, and that being said, we've not had a scale in our house for 40 of those years. So, And part of that goes to, I'm not focused on number. Hmm. I'm focused on how good do I feel in my body? And is my mind and my body and my spirit in sync with each other as we move in this world? And that's kind of what that event that I just talked about has an opportunity to have been one of those anchor places in my life that got me on the track of being honest and authentic about mind, body, spirit interconnections. Wow. So that was the beginning of that piece, Jill.
0: Just want to ask because I want to touch on this before we move forward. I found it interesting when you were talking about the genetic aspect of it, and mm-hmm. what was coming to my mind is that in our society, uh, especially women, you know, we're kind of blamed for having an eating disorder. Right? It's almost it's not it's not like uh, other psychiatric conditions. It's almost like, well, there's something wrong with that person. Why can't she get her act together? And that extends from, you know, severe eating disorders all the way to someone having overweight or having obesity or simply just having struggling with eating. Right. There's a lot of blame and shame that comes with it. So I wanted to point that out that the genetic piece is interesting because it kind of, in a way, it gives you that grace to say, well, this is, I was born with this predisposition. Doesn't mean that you don't work, you know, strive toward change, but it does kind of take the pressure off. But then it's interesting how you said that, that God or the Holy Spirit spoke to you right. in a way that was directional, but not accusatory or blame, feeling blameful for you. And I just wanted to highlight that. I thought that was
1: fascinating. Thank you. Thank you for grasping my message on that part of it. Because, it, you know, I think as we go through our lives, and I'm six decades in, there's this moment of there's just anchor points, right? And that mm-hmm. one is one of those anchor points for, for me about moving into my young adulthood with a little bit more respect for mm-hmm. myself in my body and a little bit more understanding that I have to honor what God's given me. And so, and that's just part of my personal journey walk in that piece. But yes, there is a genetic component. So, how do you address that piece for myself? And when I do that, I realized I still, even when I got pregnant with my oldest daughter at age 25, I only gained 18 pounds in the pregnancy. And even the doctor chastised me for not gaining enough weight. And it wasn't that I wasn't eating. It's just that I felt like I was still eating just enough, mm. and, and so therefore the baby's fine. I was very much a, a hands-on mom when, when my children came, but I did not realize that I don't seem to, to think about food a lot either. So there's a piece of that for me, Jill, that I'm, even as I'm speaking to you, I'm like, oh, that's a little awareness there. I actually don't even think about food a lot. And so there's a a part of me, six decades into this, realizing I still have to keep engaging my body into the rest of my day. Have I overworked it? Have I gotten enough sleep? Did I drink enough water today? So really and truly, um, those are things that I know that I have to stay ahead of. Part of what I wanted to talk with you about today, too, was in the aging process, how do you see us being able to do better with our body from an aging perspective, Because I know that as I'm six decades in, as I say, I find myself doing very well with my skincare. I do very well. I feel like I live a very balanced life for the most part. And I feel very centered and and made a lot of effort towards mind, body, spirit for given what I do and why I do what I do and the counseling pieces that I come from and the ministerial background I have. But I do think that even all these years later, I could still do better by my body. Even though I've made a lot of headway and I've done very, very good and I've really overall like my body and I've made friends with my body in that regard, but I still think that it's the last thing on the list that I pay attention to. Mm. So as we age, I feel like one of the conscious things I need to do is be still moving that forward a little bit more into its place. It's almost like my mind is really there and my heart and spirit is really there, but my body still takes the brunt of the longest work day or the least amount of sleep or the, you know, the challenges that I will put my body through. I still do in my 60s that I would have done in my 20s. I still put my body through a lot more than than, uh, I think anyone should put their body through. Does that make sense Mm. what I'm trying to describe? Yeah, It's the one area that I still continue, if I'm going to say I neglect something, I still tend to go towards a habit of I'll neglect the body first. And that's Mm. not right.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So have you had any insights into what you can do or what you would like to do differently about that?
1: That's a good question. You know, and I really almost want to back up and say, that's something you might want to edit through. (laughs) Because there's this part of me that's like, no, that's not quite... I've taken good care of my body in the sense that if it's needed to have surgery to fix the foot, I fix the foot. If I need to fix my neck and I've had spinal surgery, I fix my neck. But I think there's a disconnect that I do still have with my body that in spite of all the balance efforts I try for, I will still overwork my body first more than I will rest or do self-care. I will go without water longer than I should, and I don't know why I do that. Mm -hmm. And... I will still look for protein and make sure that I eat a protein bar or something. But I probably only consume two meals a day. Hmm. And that's probably all the intake I actually have is is, is a decent dinner and hmm. maybe something light for breakfast. I rarely eat lunch. Hmm. So there is something about all these years later. I know it's there, but I still don't have it as top shelf attention does that make sense what I'm trying to describe
0: yeah absolutely I'm like one thing that's coming to mind for me is and I think again going back to you know our society is very unforgiving toward us especially women but men have their own issues but when it comes to body image and taking care of our bodies I, I think women get the brunt of that and it just it feels a little punishing almost Mm-hmm. what you're describing to me. And I think that's something that we're sort of taught, we're taught to do. And I'm wondering if a more, well, the word that's coming to mind for me is tenderness. Mm. Giving your body that tenderness. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's resonating or if you have any thoughts about that, like the punishing versus tenderness idea. Does that feel like it's hitting some kind of?
1: Yes, Jill, you you definitely, I again, I think, I don't tend to think as much about what society's opinions are. That does not tend to mm-hmm. get to me as much. I think part of where my, my originating eating disorder, I feel like it was more genetic based than it was mm-hmm. societal influence. I do think for me, that it's an internal owning of my, of my own sense of tenderness that I am good enough. I'm a workaholic at heart, I will over function. I will always have 14 plates in the air. And the thing in my life, which is my body, I will take good care of my skin. I will brush my teeth. I will work hard to make sure that I do great hygiene pieces. I mean, these are things that I will do nicely to my body. But I will actually, I think, when it comes to food and hydration and working, I am not as tender. That's a good word you've used there, Jill. I am not as tender there. And, and some of it could be cultural. My husband and I both are firstborns in our family, and we both work very hard. We have a motto in this house, play hard, work hard. So you don't get a motto like work hard, play hard without there being a lot of demands on the human body. And my husband and I both have done that. So I don't think I come from an eating disorder disorder based on the typical story. And I certainly have several friends and family members. The magazine comparisons to models or any of those kind of things certainly have had their play. I think mine was less that and more more genetic-based as well as more family-dynamic-based. Am I still doing anything good enough, long enough, right enough to mm. make the people I have to do life with okay? And so... I over-functioned as far back as I can remember. I have over-functioned to be the good girl in the family that held all the plates in the air and made the family life run super, super smooth to the best of my human ability. And I think some of my eating disorder mostly comes from that vein Mm -hmm. than it does from societal's version of what a female should look like as a size zero and that kind yeah. of thing. If I'm honest, I think it really comes more from that cup than it does the other.
0: Right. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. I'm, I'm really resonating with what you're saying. Cause I also have the, I'm not good enough, um, uh, dialogue that's, it's goes really in your head, in, right?
1: I mean, it just doesn't, and it's like, you need to sit down and take a break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: It's it's very insidious, though, I've noticed. Yeah. Like, I have to yeah. remind myself, like, oh, I think that I have to get all of this done because I'm trying to prove something to myself, no one else, just myself. And so I could totally relate to that. And it's, it's very, very interesting to see how that, that pressure that you're putting on yourself to be that provider and that source of support or, you know, whatever it is that you're providing for your family and your loved ones, that that manifests as, I'm going to use this machine, my body, this vessel. (laughs) It's almost like it becomes a machine, right? Like you you have like a really high performance car. Crank out that work. (laughs) So, yeah, that's that's wonderful. And thank you for really delving into that because I think this will resonate with a lot of people that, and we may not be as conscious about it. Right. So thank you for, for sharing that. Is there anything that you think that, that about this that you haven't accepted? Or is there something about this that you feel like you haven't faced?
1: No, I don't think it's about anything I haven't faced as much as I think as i age as i said and my question to you is how do i stay tender and forthright about what the body needs as i age because i do want to do a better job recognizing that i don't want to overwork and i have I, and i'm getting to that place where i know i have nothing to prove i have a lot of letters in front and behind my name and if it was going to be all about that that would have already been done so i feel a little more settled about those kind of issues but I do think having worked with a lot of geriatrics and some of the patients and clients I've worked with at end of life and the layers of what I've watched people are not aging as well as I would I would hope we all would the body is still continuing to get highly neglected out there universally it takes a lot of hits and I'm sensitive to the fact to use your word tender I'm a little tender to the fact we need to do a better job. So if there's a message from beginning of this conversation to now, I would say I don't want to be somebody who can't move a lawnmower because I'm 17 and capable, but I didn't take care of my body and I had an eating disorder to get around. And I did do that and handled that very well. And I got through having incredibly healthy children an incredibly healthy life and incredibly active life. All of that's true. But if I'm going to put something on the back burner, it's the taking care of my body. Now, here I am in my 60s, and the tail end of this conversation for me is, as I've watched geriatrics folks that I have cared for and taken care of at end of life, I've noticed that they don't eat right, they don't stay hydrated, they're not sleeping right, they're they're not taking care of their body. And I'm sensitive and tender, to, as you said, that I don't want to make the same mistake at At the end of my days, as I started out in the youth of my days, I want to make sure that I've grown up in some awareness that it is all interconnected. So do just the kind of really great due diligence for my body as it ages, as I know God would want me to do and would want me to treat this body well. So how do I do that, right? And I think in aging, they need probably higher levels of some versions of vitamins and minerals to do replacements back into their body that is different than what a young person needs at 20 and 30 years of age versus what somebody 60, 70, and 80 years of age needs. The body needs something more. So I guess my question to you, Jill, would be what can I start doing and what can I share with my own people I serve and care for that will allow us to do a better job of aging better with nutrition and, and a great appreciation that our body is amazing. It's a, it is an amazing machine. It's an amazing thing to see the intricacies of how the body actually functions and how beautiful it serves us. And yet one of the things I confessionally admit to is I haven't always been as kind and good to my body as I am to everything else in the world and to other people's bodies. Yeah. Mine takes a little bit of a hit, and I need to do less of that.
0: Yeah, I think the the first part is is actually what you mentioned last is being kind and good to your body, and also that that appreciation that you were expressing I think is is vital as well. It's appreciation is like this wonderful, like nice soft pillow that you can always land on. Like when you're feeling at your worst, you can always say. At least I'm alive, or at least my (laughs) legs work, (laughs) or
1: (laughs) you know, counting your blessings, right? You do that, right? Exactly, (laughs)
0: exactly. It always makes me feel better to count my blessings. I love that. And I think that's actually. A lot of times we go about it from the other way of like mechanically, you know, what nutrients should I be taking in and how much should I be eating and how much should I move? Those are all, I like to call them, those are all content. So I like to focus on context over content. So the context in which you are caring lovingly for this vessel that you only got one of in this life, right? That's (laughs) right. As far as we know. The context in which you approach that care should come from a place of kindness, tenderness, and, and if you can, and some people struggle with this, I know, actually self-love. Yes. At least self-acceptance and, and, and hopefully a little dash of self-love and some appreciation. That's the context in which you approach nat- from that context of I want to care for my body and love my body. How do I do that? Well, okay, now you can talk about the content of yes, you everybody should be taking a multi. I feel that everybody should be taking a multi. And if you're you should take one based on your age. So uh, the needs for a 65 year old woman is different from the needs of a 35 year old woman. So they have supplements that kind of do that a good quality multi. And also, protein is key most, you've mentioned protein a couple times in this conversation. That is one thing that I see a lot with women more than men is not enough protein. So really focusing in on the protein. And um, another thing that a lot of people don't talk about is actually taking digestive enzymes because our digestive juices, (laughs) which means, you know, the bile, the enzymes, the Mm. acid, they kind of are not as robust as we age. So taking a digestive aid with every meal can help you so that you break down that protein properly. You get all the B12 that you can from that food and various nutrients. So um, for supplements, I think a, a multi and digestive enzymes with some other digestive aids can help. And after that, more than body fat, it's lean mass. So as we you know, when you're 45, it's different. But after about 60, 65, indicators of health much more are related to how much lean tissue you have, as opposed to how much body fat. So women over 70 who have a little bit more body fat are actually protected. But we want to make sure that we keep up the physical activity and any kind of resistance training, whether it's body weight, or bands or weights or, you know, whatever you can do, a Pilates, those sorts of things to to maintain that lean muscle, that is going to be probably the most profound thing you can do for good. Okay. Caring for your body as as you know, as we age. So I could go on and on about that, but I feel like those are the most important points. Yeah. But again, coming from that context of
1: kindness to yourself and appreciation. Yes. So so the kindness piece, which is the biggest bulk of what we've talked about, which is em- emotional, mental, and spiritual to care for the body, right? But yeah. then there's a practicality of what you and I are, are talking about now. And, and thank you for those uh, words about the digestive enzymes. I've been trying to do these little green shakes and add in turmeric and all of that and, and try to start adding some things to be good to my body and to start giving it more than it's been getting through food. Um, is these shakes. But I do have digestive issues, always have. And again, I go back to genetics. My dad's had them. I've watched my grandmother have them. So there's something in the genetic makeup of our family that I've had some of the same similar wirings to my, my body typing of the way it, it functions. So digestive pieces are very important here. So I'm I'm interested in what you can share with me To help me have a better... Because when you go on Amazon or any of these other places, Jill, it's like, you know, the floodgates just open up. And it's just, you know, there's 101 things there. And I have no idea what's good, what's not good, what's fillers, what's not. And then I look at other products and I'm going, that should be good. I can do that product and have all the vegetables and all the fruits I need by eating this gummy. Well, it's $200. And I don't know about everybody else out there. (laughs) I'm thinking, that's a lot of money. For a gummy bear moment, right? So there's this place of me that's like, I don't know how to supplement without it getting invasive expensively, but the digestive enzyme you just talked about, I'm very interested in, then what's a good product you would suggest for me if you can, or even tell me in a one on one moment, what do I need to take that'll help my belly?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just want to really also bring light to what you were talking about, about supplements there are a ton of products out there that are based on who's got the loudest voice. And a lot of times they charge way, way more than they need to. And it's just, you know, it's all marketing and there's very little substance and there's very little science <laughs> behind it. So there's, there are a lot of, whether it's diet books, nutrition books, supplements, there's a just a an enormous amount of junk that's out there that we are all being, it's being thrown at us. And it's really hard to know what's right, unless you're, you know, can understand scientific literature and go in and read it, which most people can't, or they don't, because it takes a lot of time. So one of my mottos is food first, always food first. And whole foods are superior to processed foods. So if there's some fancy diet out there that's like, well, you know, eat this bar, take this powder. No, eat whole foods first. When it comes to digestive issues, it has to be personalized. But in general, you know, I don't want to talk about specific brands on the podcast, but there are a couple of, of companies that I like that I can talk to you about later. But, yeah, you know, even if you went to Walgreens or some kind of pharmacy, you can find digestive enzymes there that are usually be fine. And they can make a big difference in digestion. And they're cheap, too. They're not expensive. Digestive enzymes are very uh, affordable. So they're Good. they're like a high-impact kind of supplement.
1: Good. Okay, that's very helpful.
0: So I don't want to go into too many of the specifics, but I do think that it's important for people to be very careful about supplementation. Be wary. Be wary. And co- really consult with someone who knows, like me. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> or some, thank you. know, you. a nutritionist. Yes, exactly. And... Everything needs to be personalized as well, I think, like, and that comes back to listening to your body. So if you start a supplement or eating a certain way, if if it feels good, it's probably good. If it doesn't feel good, it's probably not good. I know that sounds very obvious, but a lot of times, you know, we spent, I just spent $200 on this thing. It better make me feel yes. good, you know? Yes. And if it yes. doesn't, ah, oh, I'll just push through. Or you just read the latest you know diet information and you're like well that's a doctor he must know. Well there are plenty of doctors out there writing diet books not evidence based. So I would say you know the big takeaway is listen to your body and when it comes to supplementation ideally you consult with a professional but at the very least I think everybody should take a multi and you know over 65 probably a diet, even over 55 Uh, A digestive enzyme can make a big difference, but always consult with your doctor or your healthcare professional before taking any supplements, please, because it really does, you know, it can affect people adversely. And I don't want to be giving that kind of specific information on the podcast, (laughs) but you and I can talk Deb, okay? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. I know a little bit about what your work is but I think it would be interesting for people to hear, you know, what's your work and how you help people and the name of your business and if you want people to find you just give a little information
1: about that. Oh, well thank you for that invitation. Um I am Dr. Deb of Dr. Deb Ministries and I basically do work with folks looking at mind, body, spirit and i am one of those people who say it's an ongoing journey i've got to do mine just as i shared with you today about the body piece that that's my weakness i am certified in the enneagram which works on some self-awareness layers in the enneagram assessment so you can go to dr deb ministries.com you can look me up on my website and you can see that uh, you can contact me through there and i'd be more than glad to do a self-awareness assessment on the enneagram and see where everyone lands on their mind body spirit journey i do say that no one ever arrives it's an ongoing effort just as you heard me in my own personal story to go from late teenage girl trying to put some handles on being better towards my body continuing to do that and even now taking green shakes and looking for what multivitamins or uh, digestive enzymes as you're suggesting I take and that's very helpful today so as I do my work I always appreciate folks like yourself Jill who remind us then I'm a little out of whack with my body so how do I bring that back forward a little bit so we're all constantly in this work together in that process but in mine I do look at mind body spirit through the Enneagram I am a minister, I am a counselor, I work a lot with grief. We all grieve very differently. As I shared with you in my story with you, I, when I grieve, I do not eat. It's one of my triggers, and I'm aware of that, and I have to be very conscious of that so that when I am in a grief story of my own, I really do have to pay attention to the very thing I tell my own clients. How are you treating your body? Are you sleeping? Are you eating? Are you drinking? Because I have to stay on top of that myself. And I'm aware of that about my own triggers and my own moments. So I always find it a privilege to be a sojourner with others on their mind, body, spirit journey and what it is they're about doing. And I thank you for being with me on mine. So thank you for having me today. Thank you for listening to the
0: Lose Weight for the Last Time podcast. My wish, my deepest wish is that this podcast, it inspires you, it empowers you, and it helps you to begin to operate more and more from the context of love and curiosity and compassion to yourself and forgiveness so that you can make forward progress in your weight loss journey in a healthy, sustainable way. We are all about approaching this from a wonderful mindset based in love. And we also are very, very keen on sticking to the science. So those two things we bring together in our approach, which is love and science combined, to help you lose weight in a way that's truly lasting because it's pleasurable it's sustainable it's a way of living for you it's something that you don't don't mind doing for the rest of your life and it's something that you enjoy and is a source of personal growth for you. So that's what we're about. If you would like more support, then I recommend you get on a call with me and we can see if our program is right for you. We have a very high-touch, supportive, science-backed program. It's six months long and it's a commitment and we are going to invite you, if you really want to move more and more into this love context this would be a wonderful tool for you in your weight loss journey so get on a call with me to learn more about that and also for me to learn more about you and see if if it would be a right fit and if you feel like mm, I more just kind of want to dip my toe in the waters I invite you to get on a consultation with one of our wonderful, amazing, smart, and compassionate nutritionists, and you can just get some good advice to move the dial for you a little bit. That's just a one-time visit and you can learn more about us that way and uh, maybe that's enough. Maybe you, you move on your way, uh, just listen to the podcast and get some good feedback. Either way, we are here to support you. We are here to change the world in which the typical weight loss is grounded. We want to change all of that to a new context of love and curiosity and therefore sustainability and therefore losing weight for the last time. Thank you for listening.